Welcome to Naham Connections Podcast, Voices in Patient Access. Here, industry experts contribute their voices about popular patient access topics, including career development and leadership, revenue cycle operations, healthcare regulations, and the patient experience. If you like what you hear today, subscribe or leave a review where you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Episode 5 of the Naham Connections Podcast. My name is Kelly Rehan, Managing Editor of Naham's Access Management Journal and Naham Connections. Today, I'm here with Naham President Michelle Fox to discuss her Naham online experience session titled, Industry Update, What's New with CMS? Many of you may have joined Michelle back in September 2020 when she hosted this session live, but if you weren't able to join, you can access the recording at naham.org slash 2020 recordings. Michelle, welcome to the Mayhem Connections podcast. Thank you, Kelly, for having me today. All right, so before getting into the details of your session, I'm curious what it was like presenting in a virtual format. Will you tell us about your experience? So with COVID, I think we've all gotten used to doing things virtually and through Microsoft Teams or Zoom or WebEx or whatever platform that the organization has been using. It was actually quite easy. It was nice to be able to go through the slides, answer questions, but still have the interaction between the audience and the presenter. I would have loved to see all the faces of the attendees, but no, it is what it is. We make sacrifices, but I thought it went very well, very easy tool to use, and we still got our points across, and we were able to share information back and forth and answer people's questions and give them the advice or the hints or the best practices information that they came to the virtual experience for. That's really great to know. Now, shifting to the content of your session, without giving too much away, what are some of the proposed CMS rules and regulation changes that patient access professionals need to know about? Maybe we could start with price transparency. Sure. So CMS has, over the past couple of years, been very focused on price transparency. You know, as consumerism hits the healthcare industry hard, <laughs> Customers, not, you know, they deserve to know, they want to know, and they need to know, you know, how much is this going to cost me? How much is this going to impact my uh, pocketbook? And, you know, it's very complex in healthcare. It's not just as easy as going to a McDonald's and ordering a cheeseburger and french fries, and you know that that's $3.50. Healthcare is complex. There's different severities, there's different levels, there's symptoms. And so coming up with an easy price of what the patient owes is not easy. It's easier said than done. But we owe it to our community, we owe it to our customers, we owe it to our patients on giving them that information so that they can make a, you know, educated decision on where they go for their care, what can they afford, and do they really need this at this time or not. So CMS is effective January 1st, 2021. They've come up with two requirements for making standard charges available. Uh, One is a comprehensive machine readable file. And so this is an easy format that a consumer can get to without a password, without a username or an account login. They can basically pull it up like an Excel spreadsheet. I'm I'm just, you know, for an example, that would contain all five types of standard charges for the items and services that are provided by that hospital. And this is so that they can, it will include the negotiated rates, the standard charges, and also the discounted rates and self-pay discounts so that patients can see if they have an insurance, what, what would their responsibility be? The second thing is that we have to be able to provide consumer-friendly shoppable services. 
So there's a list that CMS came up with, and they are requiring 70 CMS-specified procedures. They're calling them shoppable services. And then the hospital has to come up with 230 other selected services. So you have to have a total of 300 shoppable services that will allow healthcare consumers to directly make apples to apples comparisons of common shoppable hospital services across the healthcare settings. So if I'm looking at a hospital in Florida on these 70 required, then I can look at a hospital in Michigan and they'll have the same 70 required. Or, you know, that's kind of extreme. But if I'm looking at a hospital within 20 miles of my house in one direction and another hospital 20 miles the other direction, now I can see what the charges are going to be, what my out-of-pocket costs will be. To meet that consumer-friendly shoppable services requirement, if a organization has a patient estimator tool that is web-facing, it's on the website, it's easy for patients to get to or consumers to get to, once again, it doesn't have the account, the login, the password, but they can just easily put in a procedure like an MRI of the brain, and then they can put in their insurance or they can say that they do not have health insurance, that they are self-pay, and then it will calculate their out-of-pocket total. And so if you have an estimator tool, then you meet that requirement. You don't have to have a separate file for that. If you don't have an estimator tool, it'll be difficult, but you've got to include those 300 shoppable services within another file. And it's important for patient access professionals to do this. The organizations need to be on the ball with this because CMS doesn't play and they are proposing that you can have a 300 per day penalty for non-compliance. So they will, I believe, give credit to those that can show that they are trying, that they've made progress, even though they're not there yet by January 1st, 2021. But it's not an easy task with the machine readable files. So if they haven't started, they need to get on the ball. Well, wow, that is quite a fine. Thanks for that price transparency overview, Michelle. Now, your session also described changes regarding interoperability. What are some of the big updates we need to know? Well, the first thing was the definition of interoperability. That's a big word, a scary word to some. And it simply means the ability of systems and devices basically to exchange and interpret data. So whatever data is in this one system, how does it get to another system? So how do we exchange important data to be able to take care of the patient or with health plans to be able to share information? So if I want to move from one health plan to another, uh, whether I'm going from Medicare or uh, Blue Cross to Medicare because I've aged into Medicare, that we can keep all that, my history, my claim information together so that it follows me as a consumer, as a patient. So basically just sharing information from between systems. And some of the interoperability requirements that CMS is proposing, May 2021, that the hospitals and psychiatric hospitals, that they would be able to send electronic patient event notifications of a patient's admission, discharge, and or transfer to another healthcare facility or to another community provider or practitioner. So letting their PCP know every time they get admitted or transferred or discharged, that notification is one of the uh, requirements. And there's other requirements, ADT requirements, that they want to be able to share with other hospitals, other healthcare providers, other physicians. And so there are some other mandates that will come out in 2022 that have to deal with the electronic health records, supporting mobile phone, tablets, APIs, so that the patients can get all their data from each other, each of their providers. The providers will be able to exchange data in a standard method and then make plans for checking with patients to get their data from all providers. So making it easier on the patient to keep all their data, 
basically together and be able to share it with all their different providers that help in their healthcare needs. Got it. And there are even more changes that patient access professionals need to be aware of specific to prior authorization and appropriate use criteria. Can you share the key takeaways you need to know? Sure. So prior authorization, one of the requirements as this past July 2020, they had five different categories that they were requiring prior authorization for. Those were in the area of blepharoplasty, botulism toxin injections, paniculectomies, rhinoplasty, and vein ablation. And I am not clinical, but we know what those codes are, and my team knows what to do, and the authorizations are required, so we get those. Some of them are the elective services, so they're just CMS's requiring authorization saying, do these really need to be done, and in what setting are they done? And so they're just trying to make sure that, you know, you require an authorization because you want to decrease opioidization and make sure that our patients, our consumers truly need these services, that we're just not doing it just because. So that, that was in July of 2020, this was past July. And then the proposed rule for July 1st of 2021 is the addition of new service categories for the hospital outpatient department. And that is two more categories of services, and those are in the areas of cervical fusion with disc removal, and then implanted spinal neurostimulators which those um, implants are very expensive. And so once again, you know, they're requiring prior authorization so that they can make sure that medical necessity is, is met and that you really need to be able to, that the, that the consumer or the patient needs this service. Appropriate use criteria, I wanna, I wanna touch, touch base on that as well. That flows in with the prior authorization. Basically, it is Medicare's way of requiring authorization for high dollar imaging. So that actually was supposed to be effective January 1st of 2021. They have since pushed that back through um, calendar year 2021 and now it will be effective, meaning it will be required. You'll have to start doing it January 1st of 2022. So organizations have another year to test it and to get it working. And a few appropriate use criteria, the AUC, are rules that require ordering physicians to consult with a clinical decision support mechanism, kind of just like a third-party authorization group, to determine the appropriate use prior to completing the advanced diagnostic imaging service. So this means that the hospitals must submit claims with this decision support number to verify that the ordering physician consulted with the decision support mechanism. It applies to services performed in hospital outpatient departments, emergency departments, ambulatory surgical centers, and independent diagnostic centers. So for patient access, we're the gatekeepers, right? We're the first ones that see the patients, uh, whether it's scheduling, whether it's pre-registration, whether it's walk-ins, direct admits, transfers. And so we've already been the gatekeeper. We know how to do that. So screening for AUC should really be at the point of access, you know, and most of these services are scheduled, minus your emergency department but that there is a, a stop point at the point of scheduling or in the emergency room that says if a patient needs you know, these certain services, that timeout, do we have appropriate use criteria met? So we're gonna to need to work with referring physicians, both internal and external. Number one, to educate them. Do they know what AUC is? Have they even heard of it, right? Because this is the field that we live in. Patient access is all about the authorizations and pre-arrival services and stuff like that. 
getting our, you know, everything ready for our patients so when they come, we can just take care of them and provide a delightful experience. So we'll need to educate them, increase their awareness, let them know what documentation is needed from them in order to order the advanced diagnostic imaging for all of their Medicare patients. And then they'll need to select this, a clinical decision support mechanism. So we'll have to, you know, help them to do that. Show them, you know, I, think, I believe CMS has, has identified five national ones that you can work with. And then also it's important to work with the facility billing departments for claim readiness. Because, you know, you want to get that information on the UB so you can bill and get paid for the services that you're providing. So it'll be new for, for um, organizations and for patient access. And Medicare has really never done anything in the field of radiology. So it'll be new for that. Like what you hear on Naham Connections podcast? Visit naham.org slash Naham Connections to catch up with the latest patient access content and insights from patient access professionals and industry experts. This is such important stuff. Thank you for describing all of these changes with us in such an easy to understand and practical way. And I know I've been asking you a lot about the what. So what's changing or what do we need to know, regulatory speaking? But patient access professionals also need to understand the why behind regulations. So why do regulations matter to the work patient access professionals do? So the why is because these regulations will prevent us from really from getting paid. So patient access needs to be aware of them. And not only that, but you also want to protect your organization from any penalties that may be incurred because of being out of compliance. These are the requirements. These are the CMS regulations, quote, laws. And so um, we need to make sure that we are in good standing with our payers and to be able to ultimately take care of our patients, the ones that you know, need us, the consumers, the community that look to us to be able to provide the services that they need. Got it. So aside from checking out the full recording of your session on naham.org, where else can patient access professionals go to stay updated on regulatory changes? So what resources do you recommend? Naham, actually, if people don't know, Naham has a government relations committee that actually tracks these regulatory issues. And they can find it on the naham.org website under resources, and then it will have the government relations tab that they can click on. And that is updated monthly by our committee. And it's a pretty great tool. It's very resourceful. It's got all the information. You can look at it from years past. They're up to date, as I said, monthly. And uh, they give a little synopsis of it. You can even click on links to get more information. So they do a very good job on keeping that updated. That's actually where I go to look for updates, as well as the cms.gov website. A little hard to navigate, but you know the information is there. Great, thank you for sharing those. Looking to grow your skill set and stature within patient access profession? Consider Naham's Certified Healthcare Access Associate or Certified Healthcare Access Manager the only patient access certifications that meet NCCA standards. Showcase your knowledge, problem-solving abilities, and dedication to your career by becoming NAHAM certified. Visit certification.naham.org to learn more. Michelle, not only did you present at the NAHAM online experience, but of course you're also the organization's president. 
tell me what it's been like leading Nahan during such an extraordinary year. Well, I took over in June. And so we were right in the throes of COVID. And the first thing was we didn't get to have our face-to-face conference, which anyone who is a part of Nahum and knows Nahum, that is just our bread and butter. That is what everyone looks forward to every year. That's where you have, you know, 700 of your, your best friends within patient access all come together and you have a captured audience for three to four days. You're in uh, learning lab sessions. You're learning the latest and greatest on best practices. You're sharing things, you're networking. And to not be able to do that, we still knew as Nahum serving our patient access professionals around the country, we are their leading resource. We are the ones that they, they depend on, the ones they look to for information, for help in running their organizations and keeping up on the latest trends and regulations as we're, as we're talking about today. So we needed to find a way to be creative, to provide that experience, that information, that knowledge, that networking opportunity but now in a different format. So, okay, we can't meet face-to-face, now what are we gonna do? And the board and the conference committee worked hard with the NAHAM staff, and we were able to come up with a virtual experience. And that was something that we made, that was a priority. We had to, prov- we had to provide that. Another thing that was, was, a, was a need, we did town halls. So I was able to do town halls with Kathy Pelosi, who was the president prior to me. So her and I got together, we teamed up and we said, you know what, we got to get information out. This is what our members need. This is what our, our, you know, member hospitals need. And so we worked hard basically just to make sure that the NAHAM members knew that even though we're not meeting face-to-face, even though we're all going through this crisis, we're all sharing this crisis and we are here for them. And we wanted to make sure that we were communicating with them regularly and getting the information that they so wanted, so deserved and needed out to them. So maintaining communication, that was our, our biggest goal. And, and I, I, think we, I think we did a great job. And we're continuing. I mean, COVID's not over, right? And it probably won't be over for another year. We're, we're hoping for that magic vaccine that everyone can take and we can be done with this. But that's not reality. So as we continue to lead Nahum through this COVID crisis, and you know, our world doesn't stop because of it. So we still have the regulatory requirements. We still have teams that need career ladders and we need job descriptions and we need tips on engagement and employee satisfaction. You know, the list goes on and on and on. But Nahum is here for for those members and and that's what we're dedicated to doing. And that really is a very nice segue kind of into my next question because you're right, COVID isn't over. So what are the goals you're hoping to accomplish with Nahum in 2021? Well, the Nahum board is actually meeting this Friday to talk about our strategic plan for the next three years. So we have a strategic plan where we come together once every three years and we plan for the next three years. And um, some of the things, you know, we weren't able to do this year because of COVID, we had to put some things on hold. Some things we're looking is to have a round table for the payers and providers to come together and talk about issues and just connect, you know, here are their pain points, here are our pain points, and where can we as an industry come together to to help the ultimately our patients, right? Their members, our patients. That's one thing that we're hoping that we can accomplish um, sometime the latter part of 2021. With COVID still in the midst, you know, I'm hoping that we can have our conference. You know, it's on the books for May and we'll play that by year. But either way, we will definitely be getting the information that the Mayhem members want and need. As well as one of the things that we had looked at is 
incorporating some kind of ambulatory setting, more information for ambulatory settings within Mayhem. We are a hospital-focused organization because most of our, our members are from the hospitals and that's where patient access started. But we know as we evolve and more healthcare systems are either, you know, taking over physician groups or they are forming their own, that patient access really is in more settings than just a hospital. And so um, Mayhem wants to be able to include those that are in that setting too and be able to um, maybe incorporate some more education from that front or more, you know, learning labs and just really try to focus on all settings with patient access and not just the hospital. Excellent. Thank you, Michelle. So wrapping up this great conversation, I'd like to ask you, you know, with the enormous amount of change going on in our world right now, particularly as it relates to healthcare, what has NAHAM membership meant to you? So NAHAM membership in 2004, when I became patient access manager, I didn't know what patient access was. <laughs> so I Googled, you know, you're, the first thing you do is go on Google for everything, right? Right. Um, and I learned about NAHAM and immediately signed up, attended my first conference in 2005, and have just been blown away ever since. NAHAM has done, they are true to their mission. They have done exactly what they set out to do. They are the leading resource for patient access professionals, but with a just enormous amount of resources, benefits. And so it's the first place I turn to. I mean, yes, I know that I'm president. And I'm honored to be able to lead this amazing organization. But even if when I was a president, I mean, everything was the first thing I looked is mayhem. Where can I find someone that's been in my shoes? Where can I find someone that maybe has done this to be a mentor or to be, they already have done it. So why create the wheel? Anything that your boss comes to you and says, hey, can you find out what others are doing about this? Hey, have you heard about this? And so I go to mayhem first. You know, you turn to the website, you look it up and there's, with all of our, I would say over 2,000 members, there's someone out there that I can that I can turn to. Whether it's putting a um, email on the access forum, or going to an old journal uh, article through, uh, on the website, I can find what I'm looking for, and it's just an invaluable resource for me as not only in my role as patient access director, but also in personal growth on being a leader within patient access. Michelle, thank you for taking the time to discuss what's new with CMS today, along with your reflections as president of NAHAM. It's been a year we will no doubt never forget. Thanks, Kelly. It's been my pleasure, and I'm glad that I was able to be a part of the NAHAM podcast. Registered NAHAM online experience attendees can access Michelle's session recording at any time. If you miss the NAHAM online experience, all recordings are available for purchase at naham.org slash 2020 recordings. Thank you to everyone listening today. We look forward to bringing you more episodes of the Naham Connections podcast in 2021. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Naham Connections podcasts, voices in patient access. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest news and insights in patient access. Read more in-depth articles by visiting us at Naham Connections, N-A-H-A-M dot org slash connections. Until next time.